So today is the two-year anniversary of Astroworld by Travis Scott, the album. Two-year anniversary of that album coming out. Came out on August, oh god, I don't even know the date. August 3rd of 2018. And to this day, it's still one of the very few hip-hop projects, in my opinion, that actually lived up to the massive amount of hype that it garnered <laughs> in like the years prior to this. He's been, Travis Scott had been hyping up Astroworld, the album, since, I think... I think since his first album that came out, since Rodeo came out, and, you know, it, it had been years <laughs> since that, see, since he first cynically announced Astroworld and when it finally came out, so it had an insane amount of hype behind it, and it lived up to it, and in my opinion, kind of exceeded that a lot, which is very notable, <laughs> especially in hip-hop, which I feel like that's very hard to do, live up to the hype of your release, especially that much of it. I'll save my full thoughts on this album for a completely different time, but I will say that it's insanely underrated how much removing the feature on the track list contributed to the, contributed to the reception of the album. Like, honestly, hearing that Drake, yeah, on... <laughs> I can't do it, but you know what I'm talking about. On Sicko Mode, or he, like hearing like The weekend just kind of slide in on Skeletons for the first time. Like, I would want to... I would pay so much money to experience those things again. I think removing those, and again, I'll talk about this on a completely separate occasion, but I think that removing the, or um, I should say removing, omitting the the features from your songs and your album is a really good idea, because it, it's, it's, it ups the surprise factor when you just kind of hear, like, just a, you're like, oh, so-and-so's on this song, that's crazy. I think it adds a lot to it in a lot of ways, but yeah, two years of Astroworld, Great album. I gotta listen to it in full. I still listen to songs from it all the time, but I mean, it's a, it's a great full project. I don't know how you haven't heard it already if you haven't, but <laughs> if you still haven't heard one of the biggest rap albums, trap albums come out in years, go check that album out. Alright, so welcome everyone to the latest installment of New Music Monday. And today, uh, this, this past weekend, there weren't a ton of on Thursday, I mentioned that there, one of, there wasn't a ton of music that I was looking forward to, and that still kind of holds up. Not a real, not a whole lot came out. A few, uh, actually, a, a whole bunch of singles came out that I want to talk about that I actually had a lot of interest in. And then there is a a quote unquote album that came out. Not talk about it's Beyonce's Black is King, um, visual album that I will talk about at the end. So yeah, let's just jump into it. So, as always, we start off with the singles, and for the most part, these are organized uh, just kind of sporadically, except for the last two, which, actually, I'll say, yeah, I'll say for the last two are, the last two are dramatically better than the other ones, than the first two I'll talk about, but I'll cover that later. So, the first single I want to talk about today is called Make Me Feel by Skip Marley, Rick Ross, and Ari Lennox. I truly had no idea what the song would sound like when I first saw it. <laughs> on Spotify's new music, but I will say that I was fairly impressed. The song is structured around like this lavish, I have Plucky here, I'm not really sure how else to describe it, but <laughs> Plucky is the first word that came to mind when I heard it, so I will just roll with it for now, and there's a very sharp, It's it's the song is structured around a very lavish, plucky, and sharp snare-led instrumental, and in my opinion, each artist does a pretty good job of molding the beat to their strengths. Marley's verse is not as good as his contribution in the chorus, 
necessarily he starts off the song with his own verse and then goes into the chorus after that but i think they're very they're both very nice to listen to if you don't if you're a, i guess a decent fan of the uh quote-unquote like reggae voice reggae vibe then you'll appreciate his contribution to the song rick ross just does no more rick ross things for his verse he doesn't really switch up one thing about rick ross that i don't really like but at the at the same time i i kind of have to respect in a way is that he doesn't switch up his style much at all in his songs in his verses really really anywhere he kind of sticks to the same rick ross sound and kind of flow and material for the most part which i mean he kind of owns that field but i mean you know it's not it's never bad it's just kind of like you know it it's normal rick ross things and that does not change whatsoever on this song you know, ad-libs are all the same, the, the Maybach music production tag is there, of course, uh, luxury rap, and everything. Everything that you know about Rick Ross, that's all his verses. It's nothing special from him, but like I said, his verses never disappoint, and he did what he did. He did what he could on this song. Ari Lennox, I've said before on this podcast, I'm not the biggest fan of Ari or her voice, but as I'm learning, I very much prefer Ari Lennox as an artist that you go to for like background vocals, almost like how you just kind of like throw Ty Dolla Sign vocals on a song just randomly. Uh, I, I'm, I'm liking her more in that aspect where she's not like front and center a lot of times, but more when she's doing backup vocals or going back and forth on like the chorus or anything like that. And that's pretty much exactly what she did here. Uh, like I said, her, she had a very, uh, let me see on this song in particular, she has a very limited contribution and she's mostly only present through, like I said, the background vocals throughout the entire song. She just kind of has, like, random, uh, like, I'll say, like, re repeated lines or, or, like, echoed lines where the main singer or, like, she's other, she's basically just echoing what, Mar what Skip Marley or what Rick Ross are saying or just kind of putting in just, like, random vocal runs somewhere. She she's mostly mostly found throughout the song in those background vocals, and then she also shares the chorus, the second run of the chorus with um with Skip Marley, and you know, like I said, I'm not the biggest fan of Ari Lennox yet, but she, I, I, maybe it's just maybe she's just growing on me. But her contributions to this song are pretty damn good from <laughs> the very small parts that she's actually in, and yeah, again, that was make me feel. Next song I have is called My Oasis by Sam Smith and Burna Boy. And I mean, what I'll say is Sam Smith comes through with another like vocal heavy pop juggernaut. <laughs> it's not a juggernaut. It's it's you know, it's Sam Smith. It's it's you know, it's a pop song, but heavily focused on his vocals, which I mean I like Sam Smith's voice a good bit. But a lot of times his, he kind of leans too heavy on it to the point where just kind of the song, the instrumental doesn't really match it well. So it just kind of the song as a whole just kind of falls apart. But this song, for the most part, I like. Or as I should say, I like about half of it. Uh, Smith sounds pretty incredible, as always, like I said. An instrumental, like I said, it actually supports him pretty, pretty damn well. On this song, I think it does so by creating an environment where it's, it seems like you're flowing through a deep race. It's just really like, it almost seems drowned, the instrumental. It's really deep, it's really like rumbling. 
and it sounds good with Sam Smith singing over it. It gives, a re- gives him a really good foundation. It's really deep and heavy, like I said, and there's this Spanish guitar and some snares at parts that provide uh, some pace in some sections and a lot of sensuality at appropriate times in the song that, you know, they're not, like, overwhelming by any means, and they're only put exactly where they need to be, which makes the song sound so much more put together and sounds like they actually put a lot of thought into it, which I appreciate. They didn't just loop the same guitar run over and over and over again. The, uh, where this song falls flat for me is uh, with Burner Boy's ver- verse, and, like, he kind of has, he kind of has, like, a, he has, like, a short, actual, isolated verse about halfway through the song, and then at the very end of the song, he kind of has a few more lines that he goes through, but I, I didn't like any of his contributions. I'm not, this is, I don't listen to Burner Boy's music. I'm not familiar with his music at all, but... And I will say that after hearing this song, I'm not any more invested in hearing what his music is like. I'm not the big, I'm not a big fan of his voice at all. And I mean, you know, I'm not a fan of the vibe that he had, especially on this song. So, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't super offensive to the point where it's just like, I like, I'll skip the song as soon as it comes on. But it definitely did not add anything to the song as a whole. And definitely, in my opinion, really it it kind of took away from it a little bit from my listening experience but again it wasn't it wasn't terrible it's not terrible by any means you don't you're not it's not going to come on and then you just immediately jump to the skip button it's not that bad but i mean go check it out i think other than that it's still pretty good listen and uh, i won't say that i'm excited for whatever sam smith has coming i think this is maybe his second sing second or third single that's probably going to be put on his next album i can't remember when his last album came out but i mean you know, I'll look. I'll look out for it when it comes out. I guess I'll probably hear it on the radio at some point. But you know, go check it out. Again, it's called My Oasis. Next song I have. I did mention that this was the one song that was actually announced that I was looking forward to on Thursday, and it's called Move Your Hips by ASAP Ferg, Nicki Minaj, and Maiden Tayo. Oh my lord, Maiden Tayo. It's funny that my voice cracked with by saying that guy's name because oh my gosh, I I. Ugh. I hate, I hate, I hate this guy so much. I hate his voice. It sounds so like, I don't know. It's so high, high pitch. I don't know if it's always like that or if it's mixed to be that way. But honestly, just get him the hell out of this song. I, he was, and he's the first thing you hear it too. That's the worst part is that you don't even get kind of like lubed up before you get <laughs> fucked over by his voice at all. It's just like. I don't know, his his contribution is horrible in this song. And he only does the chorus. It's just the chorus. And the chorus isn't com- complex at all. It's only like, I don't know, maybe three or four lines of him repeating the same thing over and over and over again. It's just bad. It's super bad. And it's, it, at some point, it's bad when you first hear it, and then it's straight up annoying the second time, the second and third, and I think maybe even fourth time that you hear it throughout the song. On the bright side, though, on the bright side, though, Ferg and especially Nicki Minaj really popped the fuck off, which they needed to because, oh my god, that they needed to pull so much slack from Maiden Tayo to make this song listenable in the slightest bit, and they did. Technically, I'm pretty sure that this is ASAP Ferg's song, but after listening to it, it really should be Nicki Minaj's song because Nicki Minaj, far and wide, had the best 
part of this song or had the best appearances on this song. Her flow here reminds me of her double time. I'm going to call it the double time flow on Motorsport with Migos and Cardi B, which came out, you know, years and years and years ago. But it's not actually double. It just, if when I heard it, I was like, all right, I heard, I heard her rap like this before and I was trying to figure it out. And then yesterday I was like, oh, oh, it's from Motorsport. It's just like clicked. It's from Motorsport. That same, that's similar flow. At least that's what it reminds me of. But needless to say, I liked it a lot. She, again, Neither her nor ASAP Ferg are really saying anything important, which is perfectly fine because I would say that this song is more of like, you know, just like a vibe to put on. Just It's just maybe like filler music might be a better way to put it. It doesn't, there's nothing important in it. You just kind of throw it on. It's just playlist filler. How's that? It's just like playlist filler. <laughs> That's probably a better way to do it. And I mean, it's worth knowing that it's only two minutes and 30 seconds long, give or take. But, like, it's two and a half minutes long. It's it's really just in there to get in, get out, which, you you know, y'all, if you guys have been listening to my past episodes, you know I'm a big fan of getting in, doing what you want to do, and getting the hell out. Just don't waste time. Big fan of that. The problem with that is, is that the vibe that you get from this song at only being two minutes and 30 seconds long is that the vibe is just destroyed every single time Made in Tayo pops up, which is way more than it should be. Every time you hear that stupid ass skirt ad lib that he that he did, and I think I'm I don't think I'm gonna I'm not gonna say he popularized it, but you know, it's uh it's it's I I could just I, I mean I can't dig all day about this about how bad Made in Tayo is, especially on this song, and I won't. But or I won't try to, but it's just it's just so bad. If they honestly, if the song was just was like more flushed out, like it was just a little bit longer, but or at least had more like solid, because the song is structured very oddly. It's like, it's like Maiden Tayo has his chorus, and then Ferg jumps in, and then, um, excuse me, and then Maiden Tayo comes back in for the chorus very shortly. Like Ferg has a very short, like maybe like eight bars maybe, and then Tayo comes back in unfortunately, and then Nikki comes in. And then she gets cut off by Ferg. And then I think they go back to to Maiden Tayo. And then they go back to Nikki. And then they go back to, to Asa. It's so oddly structured. But if it was like more well put together. And I think Nicki Minaj and ASAP Ferg. I think if they actually like put a little bit more. I don't want to say effort. Because I mean I'm assuming they put a decent bit of effort into this. It does, neither of them sound like they phoned in their verse. Maybe Ferg a little bit. But and I mean even I guess Nicki Minaj to this to an extent, but, you know, maybe they just looked better compared to the terror, just the dumpster fire that is made in Tayo, but I'm not even going to spell his name out if you've never heard of him. If you've never heard of him, you're probably better off, but <laughs> if the song, if, if Nikki's and Ferg's contributions were more, were more fleshed out and were, had a little bit more seriousness paid attention to them, and then if you just removed Tayo's contributions, I feel like the song would be pretty damn good, like really good. But I mean, the way it is now, especially with again Maiden Tayo being in there, it's just the definition of mid. <laughs> this is a song that is just clearly mid. It's not not every part of it is bad. It doesn't have the like the great the gar- it has good parts in it, but you know the two balance out in a way where it's just it's just mid. <laughs> But oh well. Again, that was called Movie Hips. 
And again, going back to my to what I talked about on Thursday, this, the music that I was looking forward to coming out this weekend, it was rumored that Future and Louis Vert were gonna, going to release a full joint tape or project or album, whatever, this past weekend, which they didn't end up doing. However, they did release two singles, I believe on f- either Friday, like midday Friday or Saturday. They released on like a, on like a weird day, just like in the middle of nowhere. But... The two songs are called Patek, Patek, whatever, how you want to pronounce it. Well, it's like Patek Philippe, but it's, I guess it's called, Uzi calls it Patek, but it's Patek, whatever. <laughs> P-A-T-E-K. And then the other song is called Over Your Head. And it seems like Future and Uzi are taking a similar approach to this joint album as Future did with his joint album with Drake, you know, way back in 2015 with What a Time to Be Alive. And by that I mean it seems like each song, or at least in this specific case with the with these two songs, each song kind of leans to one of the artist's specific music styles. So if you can remember back to What a Time to Be Alive, if you listened to that mixtape, the songs for the most part either sounded like a Drake song or they sounded like a feature song. And then, you know, each artist would then kind of chameleon their sound to fit that style. Um, and it seems, and essentially that's what they did here with these two songs. I'm just going to assume purely based off of how these two songs are structured, that that's how the, their project is going to be structured when it eventually, when and if it eventually comes out. Cause again, just rumors that it even exists. I'm sure it does, but oh yeah. Um, I like Paddock Patek a lot more than I do over your head. It's worth noting that whatever that that uh patek is sounds more like a future song and that over your head sounds a lot more like an uzi song and as soon as you turn on i think it's more obvious on over your head as soon as you turn on that song like the little like playful instrumental that they have that comes on right away it it sounds like an uzi song it's a lot more noticeable i i I mean i again by comparison patek sounds a lot more like a future song and for that reason i think I think that's kind of the basis of why I like Patek a little bit more. It's because I feel like just the future sound and style is a little bit harder hitting. And it's more, uh, it more achieves its goal as like an actual song than Over Your Head does. I mean, I found, I found Over Your Head isn't bad by any means. But I found the melody that they went with on Over Your Head to be kind of annoying. Or not annoying, but just kind of mediocre. Just kind of like I've heard this before. And it's kind of not thrown together, but this sounds like a slightly bit more phoned in than Patek, even though they both are realistically not outside of the the lanes that either these rappers go in and out of all the time. So, you know, it could just be I've heard I'm just not a big a fan of the Uzi sound much anymore. That could really be a big deal or a big contribution to how little I like the song compared to Patek, but, I mean, it's not bad, it's kind of meh. Patek, on the other hand, is pretty damn good, in my opinion, and, I mean, this would, what you would call, what I would call at least, a trap banger to an extent. I'm sure, you know, the banger gets thrown around all over the time, like, just all the time, but, I mean, I would consider this to be, like, a true, true banger. And I can see myself going back to the song a lot, given the correct environment. And by that, I mean, you know, this thing rings off in the car. 
this thing would definitely ring off in a club. But, you know, it's good. It just needs the right environment to get played on. Uh, the only the only problem with the song that I found is that it's, and again, this is my own personal preference of how of general song structure, especially with this genre, is that this my problem is that this song is pretty much five minutes long. I think the exactly the exact length is like four minutes and like forty seconds or something like that. It's long. It's a long trap song. That's a long song to fit to use the trap style. And honestly, the song could be cut in half, and it would be so much better. Uh, I shouldn't say so much better. It would just it would be a good bit better if you just cut the song in half. Like they don't they don't do any more after the first two and a half minutes that you could that they couldn't have lived without. Honestly, but that's me kind of nitpicking. It's fine. It's honestly I'll probably I well I did say that I like it a lot. I'll probably end up skipping this song as I'm listening to it halfway through because, like I said, again, you can get everything that the song offers in the first two and a half, three minutes and then just be done with it. Otherwise, it just kind of overstays its welcome. And again, with these two, they're not really reinventing the wheel by any means (laughs) with these songs. But in my opinion, they did their job to make me somewhat interested in this joint project or whatever they have coming up. I'm interested. I mean, I'm always interested in new music, especially from bigger, from big names. But I mean, this made me interested in actually, like, this made me feel like I might actually enjoy a good, uh, a good part of this album or this project, whenever it, whenever it is, whenever they choose to release it. And of course, when they release it, I will share my full thoughts here with you guys. Again, those two songs were called Patek, P-A-T-E-K, and then Over Your Head by Future and Lil Uzi Vert. Okay, so last two songs I have are far and wide my favorite songs that came out this past week, and they're both slower, or one of them is very much R&B, the other one is, I don't even know what you would peg this, but you'll get it. Okay, first song I'll talk about is called My Future by Billie Eilish. This song is fantastic. <laughs> this song is really good. I I think she released it like maybe midday Thursday or midday Wednesday. Uh, maybe midday Thursday. That sounds more correct. But as soon as I heard this song, I was pretty well impressed. I was pretty impressed with how much, not, not necessarily impressed with the song itself, but impressed with how much I liked the song. And mostly that's because I wouldn't call myself a big Billie Eilish fan, but ever since I first heard her, I was really, in, I was like insanely impressed with how much her very, very unorthodox, like very breathy, dark and like somber voice made it into the main, made it into mainstream and even more so mainstream pop music. Since that sound was realistically insanely against the grain, uh, I mean, like there's, you know, she, while I have my opinions on Billie Eilish industry-wise, in short, I, I think to an extent she's an industry plant, and I'll talk more about that on a separate episode, but it's still crazy to me that if I'm rolling with this industry plant theory of hers, it's still crazy to me that it it's so successful, because I mean, like, she's a super, she's a superstar just out of nowhere with a sound that is not popular whatsoever, or wasn't popular before her. All of her, she makes... 
a lot of the um the sound that she goes with and the sound that took precedence on her last album uh i forget the name of it but i mean i'm sure you guys know of it at this point but it's very fairly it's kind of tongue-in-cheek referred to as anti-pop maybe not tongue-in-cheek but it's kind of it's it's referred to as anti-pop and what i take that as it's just kind of it has a lot of elements of pop but it's kind of not a parody of it but it's very like i said it's against the grain it takes a lot it it exists in the same lane as pop music but still goes against completely against the grain of what traditional pop music sounds like and again for that i'm insanely impressed by how and that speaks to how talented she and her brother are at making music because she has garnered an insane fan base in an insanely short amount of time mind you just off that sound which is notable but while i really loved her voice and what she is doing to the music scene in general none of her songs really connected with me to the point where it's just kind of like i could really give a lot of personal i could i couldn't personally regard any of her projects very highly just because again i'm not none of them really connected to me none of them while i while every song that i've heard is good objectively it's just not music that i would necessarily listen to after the fact for the most part so again that was my thought until this song came out and again it's good it's really good <laughs> it's a really good song the first half has Billie Eilish showcasing her I'll, I'll, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say right now that her vocals are now iconic at this point I'm just gonna say that oh my god ugh. I'm gonna just make the claim that and this is my own claim of course that if not it's like calling an, an, an album classic like in a year a year after it came out or like the first week it came out I think that her vocals are if they're not now they will be iconic at some point but the first song showcases these vocals over this insanely stripped-back instrumental. There's, like, nothing to it that makes... But the what that does is it creates this eerily beautiful environment that's just easy to just kind of get, like, lost in, especially, especially in conjunction with her voice, which is just kind of insanely slow, insanely quiet, insanely... I don't want to say seductive, but just kind of... It's very... It grabs your attention and it holds it captive. It's it's insanely... Phineas, I'll shout out Phineas, her producer and her brother, for making this instrumental because it does exactly what it's supposed to do insanely well. And that's get you hooked. <laughs> then about halfway... At like about the halfway point of the song, Phineas decided to just hit me and every listener of the song over the head with this just like out of nowhere awesome funky R&B instrumental that in my opinion adds to the personality adds to the personality of the song immensely and to me really gives me the personality that I didn't even know I wanted from from an artist like Billie Eilish again Billie Eilish to me exists in the plane of pop music where I wouldn't really think that I mean she obviously has a voice where she could dip into R&B music or to like r&b-esque music alternative r&b music i just never thought that would be the sound that she would kind of go to on like a single or a, especially not a lead single which i'm again assuming this song to be a lead single to some sort of album that she has coming up 
it's just interesting that I never thought that she would go with that for what I'll call a flagship single that she's that she's gonna be marketing an entire project off of. Maybe like an album cut could sound like this, but I was just surprised to hear. I mean, I guess you can call the beat switch. I was surprised to hear this quote unquote beat switch halfway through the song, but I mean, I was insanely happy for, with it. It sounds great. <laughs> the song itself is about being in love with her future self. Um, from the from what's said in the song, this to me comes off of, or at least she's saying that she's in love with herself, her future self, both professionally and personally. It seems, and at this point in her career, it's a very welcome message to hear. Especially considering, I, I, I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not the biggest follower of Billie Eilish, but I, I have done a slight bit of research of her just throughout the year since she's become insanely popular. And, you know, her music is somber for the most part, so I would have to imagine that her personality or her mindset hasn't exactly been the brightest a lot of times. Again, I'm making an assumption here based off of the music I'm listening to and nothing else. But it's nice to hear that, you know, it's always nice to hear that's, that's somebody, especially an artist, is very happy with the way that they see themselves. I always love hearing that, and it's also very nice to listen to as a consumer. If her next album contains this level of musicality, it's safe to say that I'm, I'm, very, I'm actually excited. Like, I'm, gen, I will, I'm genuinely excited. If she releases another single and it has this level of musicality that I can connect to... I'm going to I'm going to love that album. I, I would love that album. Again, I don't think that she would she's really gonna make any bad music per se to me, but you know, it takes a lot for me to it, it takes a, a lot for me to get excited about an album, especially before it comes out. Um, so you know at this at this point I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> at this point i'm excited but yeah definitely go listen to that song again it's called my future by billy eilish and the last song that i will talk about ironically this is probably the song i have the least notes on that's for a reason the song is called by any means and it is by georgia smith and what i'll say about this song or what i'll start to say about this song is that it is godlike to me it's got like objectively too. I feel like this is just like an objectively insane, insanely well-made sounding song. It just it's perfect. I'm talking like top tier R and traditional R and B music. This is top tier. This is I've been following Georgia Smith for not a while, while, but ever since uh, since before her first her debut album came out, I've been following Georgia Smith, and I've always thought that she's She's an insanely talented vocalist, R&B vocalist, insanely talented. But to a degree, I was kind of thought she was punching a little under her, under her class. I don't know the exact phrase because I'm terrible at stuff like that. But I don't know. Like she, while her, while I've loved a lot of her music since I've discovered, quote unquote, discovered her, I still think that her ceiling is insanely is much higher than what she kind of is performing at even with her performing at such a high level, in my opinion. And this song is a good example of what that ceiling really looks like. This song is good. <laughs> this song is super good. 
and I'm the only reason I'm mad at this song is that now I have to add this next Georgia Smith album to the list of R&B albums that I just that I just desperately need. This this now joins the joins the ranks of Bruno Mars and SZA to me for R&B albums that I just desperate desperately need. Um, <laughs> which is a nice list to have, but it's a it's an upsetting list to look at because I don't know when the hell we're gonna get those albums. And now I just have another one that it's going to pain me every week that I don't get it. <laughs> but, I mean, I guess that just speaks to my... How interested I am. By the way, um, just quick side note. Go listen to our debut album, Lost and Found. It's incredible. And su- suffice to say, great R&B uh, album. Definitely go listen to it. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Georgia Smith plug aside... This, going back to the song, this song has really everything I need in what I would call a traditional R&B song. Perfectly layered vocals, and by that I mean not specifically her front and center vocals, but all the effects that they layer on top of it to support her throughout her verses. Those are on point. Sexy flow. Insane vocal solo vocal performance. That's what I'm referring to as the um, front and center vocals. There's a lot of emo- there's an insane amount of emotion. It, at some points, it seems like it seems like she's insanely close to just like crying right there into the microphone. It's just you can just hear it. You can just hear it in her voice, and it just adds so much to the song, and it adds to how much how involved I am in the song itself. Super impactful chorus, simple yet accentuated, or simple yet accentuated instrumental. Everything, everything is there. Everything that I need in a in a R and B song is there. It's top notch, first in class. It's there. It's perfect. This song <laughs> went instantaneously into my favorite songs of the year. Like as soon as I heard it, honestly, I was like hovering my finger over the at the playlist after like the first twenty some seconds of this song. I was hovering, and it didn't take me long to to confirm it into that. But it's it's in, it. This song is insane. If you're gonna listen to any song on today's up ep- that I talk about t- on today's episode, make sure it's this one. Just make sure it is this song. Again, it's called "By Any Means" by Georgia Smith. If you don't know who that is, don't. If you're not sure how to spell Georgia Smith, J O R J A, and then Smith like Smith. <laughs> Easy as that. And yeah, so that wraps up the singles that I want to talk about today, and that takes us to the albums. And uh, it was weird as I was. Going through the music that came out, I was thinking about how I was going to do this week's podcast, and I was like, all right, well, I guess I can, I'll can. i talk about the singles, but other than that, like, there are no albums that interest me that came out, so I guess it's going to be pretty short, or it's going to be the first uh, uh, Monday episode without me talking about an album, until I remembered that Beyonce released a quote-unquote visual album called Black is King. Uh, this was, like I said, Beyonce released this album on Friday called Black is King at like three in the morning or something like that. It's a visual album and it's made in conjunction with the live action Lion King movie that was released in 2019, which he was involved with, obviously. Uh, you can only stream this album on Disney plus, which is dumb, but whatever I understand, dumb from a consumer standpoint, but understandable from an industry standpoint, this and as I continue to talk about this album, you understand why I'll, I'll say this. But this album is definitely is easily. It's easy to tell that this album was just made. Well, 
it was just part of her contract for the movie. She definitely signed that contract for that movie, her quote-unquote acting role, or her voice acting role, and then this was part of her contract to just make this visual album. But I mean, hey, if you still have, and obviously it's a Disney movie, so it's only going to be put on Disney+. Plus. But, you know, if you have some time left on your free trial because you wanted to try out Hamilton on Disney+, Plus, check it out. Otherwise, this album, quote-unquote visual album, is not worth the price of admission, in my opinion. So yeah, that's my short, <laughs> that's my short analysis of it, but, you know, I'll get a little bit, I'll go into it a little bit. Not too much, but a little bit. So when this album was announced, I was under the impression that it was going to be a whole collection of new songs from Beyonce and some other people that she brings in. But I quickly realized that they're just using the exact same songs from the album called The Lion King, The Gift, which is essentially the soundtrack album that was released last year, along with the movie. I did listen to some of the songs on the album. I have a weird... Not a weird, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's a sound. It's kind of a. I don't want to call it a soundtrack because it's not like songs there were uh, were in the movie, like how like an actual soundtrack for a movie soundtrack is for traditionally. But it's more like an album that was quote unquote. They'll say it's like inspired by music from The Lion King or something like that. And those, for the most part, are more thematic in tone. And more about, like, the sound and, like, the source material or, like, relating to the source material than, like, actually being good standalone songs or just music in general. Which kind of turns me off as a listener. So, I mean, when I listened to that quote-unquote album that, again, followed with, that came out with the, the Lion King movie from last year, I didn't really love it. And in terms of this visual album, the visuals didn't do anything to add to the music to me outside of giving you just some like well shot, highly produced visuals of like Africa and fields and like Beyonce and like all these colorful dresses and like Jay-Z's in there somewhere and there and Blue Ivy's in there wearing all these clothes. I mean, it's cool from like a like, if you're into, like, if you're really into visuals, if you're really into, like, cinematography, if you're really into thematics, it's cool, it's good, that's just not really my alley, so I didn't really, I couldn't really appreciate that much, and I don't, again, I don't think it really add anything to the music, I'm only there for the music, I'm only here for the music, I'm really only ever here for the music, so, if what you're doing doesn't add to the music, then I'm not really on board for it. Excuse me. Realistically, this quote-unquote album, I keep calling it a quote-unquote album because they call it, they, they, they called it officially a visual album, but really it's more of a collection of music videos from a year-old album with some like Lion King tie-ins and then just like some random narrative shots or snippets thrown in between. It's, it's oddly structured. I mean, I, I guess, like, it's like a mo- I mean, it's a movie, but, I don't know, it's just, to me, it's, it's unnecessary, <laughs> I'll say that much. It's cool, I guess, but it's insanely unnecessary, in my opinion. In short, this movie slash album didn't merit a full analysis, as far as I'm concerned. Again, it's cool, but it doesn't, I'm not going to talk about it like I would in a normal album, because I don't think it's made like a normal album like I said it's you know it's 
to me it's more of a promotional album which i mean technically it is just a promotional album but i mean you know i'm not since because it's a promotional album i'm not going to talk about it like i would a normal commercial album from an artist if you're looking for something to put on in like the background if you again if you have disney plus and you're just looking for something to put on in the background while you're doing something throw this on it's not it, again it's what i would call unoffensive it's very unassuming it's just music and if you want to see something cool to look at while you're listening to it it's there but if you're just interested in the music if you're just interested in the music which again to me isn't anything insanely special just stream the actual album <laughs> like the actual album that they released a full year ago they released the deluxe i think last week or like a few i think they released the deluxe album this friday actually with the with the with this visual album but i mean you know the you know i don't know why you would deluxe a promotional album but a year after the movie came out but whatever who knows uh, while I do think that the vast majority of the songs that are here, like I said, are more of, like, a vibe than anything else, or just kind of, like, something to give you, like, an environment to really add to, like, the movie, I do still feel obligated to share the songs that I did like off the album, because I did, like, a few, a good bit. Again, it's hard. These songs, if you're just gonna listen to these three songs that I recommend... Or any of the other songs on the album. You'll understand what I mean. Where it's kind of hard to really place where you can listen to these songs. Outside of the context of the, this live action Lion King movie. Or just kind of like the sound around it. It's kind of hard to take them away from that. But that being said. The three songs that I, re that I liked. And that I took off this album all the way since last year. Are called Find Your Way Back. Nile. And Scar. Find Your Way Back is... Uh, I think it's Beyonce, I think it's just Beyonce, the song Nile is, yeah, so Find Your Way Back is just Beyonce, the Nile is by Beyonce, and then it also has Kendrick Lamar in there, he has like some odd vocals in there, and then Scar is by 070 Shake, who I've talked about in this podcast, who I like a lot, and Jesse Reyes, who is whatever i want to talk about jesse reyes here but those those three songs i will say i took from it i took from the album from my own personal collection of music but i mean i can't say i've listened to them that much after i did and you know like i said the other songs in this album are fine at the least but they didn't really stick out to me nearly as much as those three did with the exception of like a cool instrumental or vocal performance here or there um, you know, they're just kind of, they're just kind of there. <laughs> it's kind of there. But yeah, that's all I really wanted to talk about this week in terms of new music. Uh, again, as I, as far as I know now, obviously it's, it's only Monday, it's pretty early in the week, so who knows what's going to come out this weekend. But as far as I know, I don't know if there's much coming out this weekend as well, so we might have a little bit of a musical new music drought on our hands unfortunately which i mean you know i guess we were due for to us to an extent we've kind of been getting bombarded with massive projects but i mean you know summer summer is primetime music release territory so if people big artists want to release albums at some point there's only a few weeks left in summer until you start hitting 
the cold of winter, which we desperately need. <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys for listening. And I have been Nick Hope. This has been the Bittersweet Taste Podcast, New Music Monday. And I will see you guys on Thursday. <laughs>